What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! Welcome to another edition of this FWB collaboration with On The Ledger. Um, today, we are very happy to be joined by Ben Palmer. He's the founder and CEO of the New Computer Corporation. Um, and I will ask you all about what you guys are doing uh, there in a minute. Um, previously, you were at the Barbarian Group. You're very uh, prolific and well-known in the uh, marketing space. So I'm super excited to dig in um, to lots of different things in this conversation. But we always start with a very um, important first question, um, which is what was the first concert you ever went to? And what's the most recent concert you've gone to? Oh my goodness. Uh, the first big concert I ever went to was Iron Maiden on the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour. Um, and uh, that was Jealous. incredible. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, the most recent concert I went to, uh, oh my gosh, what did I go see? I went and saw um, My Life with the Thrill Hill Cult. Which was like a bit of a throwback, but like totally amazing. And uh, my friends from Detroit Adult opened for them. Um, so that was a lovely evening. And uh, that was like some el elder punks. <laughs> Sounds great. Where was it? Yeah. Where was it? It was, it was downtown. Um, and honestly, I haven't, I, I forget the names of my LA venues. I'm like five years in, but minus two for COVID. And I, and I forget the name, like the Fillmore maybe? Um, saw Reggie Watts there, so that was nice. I don't know. It was good. It was a good night. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I I will never forget like when I was at uh, when I was in college, I ran the radio station um and we put on a Mission of Burma concert uh once. Oh my it was God. in Boston. Yeah, and um and it was so I was at it was at MIT and the security guards were like, You're putting on a rock show. Oh no. And they like made me hire a bunch of campus police officers and get snow fencing. I was like, guys, it's gonna be a bunch of like forty-five-year-old hipsters with their kids. Like, it's not gonna be anything. And like two or three songs into the concert, the security, like the head of security, was like, "I'm sending my guys home." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, I told, I told you That's this. <laughs> um, so you went but, to school in Boston. Uh, yeah, I did. I used to live in Boston. School in Boston. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, speaking of. All of the best concerts that I saw. I mean, we had free tickets at the radio station, so I was at concerts nearly every night of the week when I was there. When I lived, uh, when I lived there, I I lived in the bottom floor of a duplex in Mission Hill, and my upstairs neighbors had a pirate radio station, and it was like kind of famous. Like so, like if you were a DJ, or you came in and you did a show at like Axis or Avalon and like your after party was you would go and like do a session on the pirate radio station. And this is like late 90s. And uh, and they had chosen the station. I was not one of the main the founders, but I was a, a frequent DJ and uh, they had chosen the um, the same channel as the on-campus radio station for Boston University, who was only licensed to broadcast on their campus, but they enjoyed spilling over into the rest of Boston, you know, ambiently. And this station wasn't powerful enough to, like, interact with their on-campus network, but 
you know, they met, they met in the middle somewhere and, uh, they had to shut it down when we were like seeing the same vans getting closer and closer around the house. And like, we were like, <laughs> okay, that's time. But, um, yeah, yeah. I think the statute of limitations is up for that now. So I, I also got my start. Yeah. in pirate radio in LA back oh, in the day. And, hell yeah. and Dave would, oh, tell they me would, more. they, I, I was 13 and I got a radio show, which was like pretty cool. I left a mix CD mm-hmm. in dad's car and he posted it on a blog and then, uh, this guy, Dave Conway, had a pirate radio station called Little Radio, um, and he saw the blog post and was like, Zoe, want a radio show? And I was like, oh, sure. Sounds good. So I started doing that, but it was the same kind of thing. Like, he had, I mean, I, I think, I like, I mean, eventually it switched to just internet radio, but, like, at the beginning, mm-hmm. like, he had a transmitter. He was, like, moving it around when it when it Amazing. needed to be moved, all of those kinds of things. It's so hard. It pretty... They still have to... They have to triangulate it. You can get away with it for yeah. a bit, for sure. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. I remember that. I think when you were doing the show, Z, the the transmitter was on the roof of one of the dudes from Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's house up, up in the Amazing. hills, up in Hollywood Hills. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like he he had wow. good height um, yeah. at his place, and and he could get it there. And that's where it was. And I, and I think it, yeah, that's it was a similar thing. Was, Ultimately, yeah. there were some vans, and they had to move it, or they even got uh-huh. a knock on the door, maybe. But I remember. One time, they had to you know move the the transmitter. Yeah, because they 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 just they have to like get closer into an area and test the signal before you know there's not like a magic. Uh, yeah, I yeah, feel like now amazing. all of us would be really good at finding pirate radio stations because we're always doing with Wi-Fi. We're just looking. We're just walking totally. around looking at our phone. The signal's getting stronger. Signal's getting str- oh yeah, there mm-hmm. it is. There it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a skill that probably... humans now have. Um, so I, I mean, first of all, we've now established like one of my favorite things, the number of people like actually, I think on this podcast series that are like either college radio people or radio people is very high, which means we've selected a really good group of people because there's something magic about like that cohort of humans. Um, so I guess to dive into just kind of like a little bit of your history, right? So like, I know that you started out kind of doing, you know, traditional digital marketing. um, And now you're moving into the web three space. So it'd be great to just give our listeners like a little bit of background on like, journey, how did you get here? Um, Give us the highlights reel. I would say probably non traditional digital marketing is more accurate. But uh, um, I, uh, I went to school for physics, when when I was a kid, and then I dropped out when I saw the Mosaic web browser, um, and and just got onto the internet ever since, you know. Um, and uh, so I've been working on the web since the '90s. Um, I used to like be DJ sometimes um, and do some graphic design, and um, and I I did start off uh, like just kind of freelancing on the web. And then, uh, believe it or not, in the late 90s, I had an agent <laughs> for me being a designer and coder, which was like pretty cool and kind of wish that was still a thing, you know? Um, but it was like it was like a nice woman uh, in the suburbs of Boston named Cindy Busby, and she had a company called New Media Artists. And uh, she would like find me projects. And, um, and she's like, would you ever work at an ad agency and I was like all right sure why not and um and so I I did some websites for Volkswagen who are actually pretty innovative in the web space and I realized like my passion 
then and now still is to just like build as much new internet as possible um, and just experiment with the medium, you know? And, and, um, and I realized quickly that, that marketing was a great field for working online and like working on like kind of creative things online because like the budgets are good and the deadlines are fast and you just like, you just go and, you know, and so I did that for a number of years. I started my own, uh, creative company called Barbarian Group. Um, and we did a lot of pretty normal stuff, um, like car websites and, and, you know, brochures on the internet. And then in like 2005, we made a website for Burger King that was called Subservient Chicken. And it was a fake webcam of a guy in a chicken suit for a cheeseburger company. Actually, it was selling a chicken sandwich, so it was even more perverse than that. Um, and it was a fake webcam of a guy in a chicken suit with a text box, and you could type in whatever you wanted, and he would do it. And we had shot, like, hundreds of videos and did this whole keyword matching thing, uh, proto-AI, um, and... Nobody had ever done anything that weird for a brand on the internet. And so everyone just thought it was real. They thought it was a live webcam. And we had like 100 million visitors in a month in 2005 for like a Burger King website. And it just flipped the idea upside down of like what brands should be doing on the web and that you can't just be driving people to your brochure website, you know, or interrupting them that you had to, you know, you have to do a little song and dance and like do something for them. And maybe, maybe actually the user is in control, you know, was like sort of the, the, the upshot of that. Um, I'm, I'm, can we, can we pause on that for one second? Yeah, sure, I have, sure, I have a couple sure. of, a couple of questions yeah. about, I, I, I remember it. Um, mm. And I think anyone who was on the internet in, in those days um, probably does. But I don't remember this. What did we know at the beginning that it was associated with Burger King? There was a logo, but it was brief and it was at subservientchicken.com. And I think that the average user thought that probably didn't know if the logo was there because it was a prank. You know what I mean? Or if it was really authorized, like it didn't, it didn't come with a big media campaign. There was a TV commercial that ran like late night, like at an hour that was equally suspicious, you know? Um, so, uh, like, like when we, when we did the hello, nasty, uh, infomercial in 1998, yes, you know, and people yes. would say overnight, like, I don't know because I was yes. really high, but I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw a Beastie Boys infomercial. Yes. And, say, and so what you said audience. then about like yeah. brands needing to do more, that, that really was a moment where, you know, the, the analogy that I always use is Umer Hawk talking about the blockbuster versus the snowball, because in the previous media model, um, you know, attention was was owned by the networks. There were only so many channels. Now you have infinite channels and you guys were really pioneering. Okay, you've got to create something that really drives people's attention and, as you said, puts them in control. How did you pitch that? I would say we snuck that one through because we pitched screenshots of what the website looked like and... We didn't overprice it. And we were like, we're going to do this cool website that goes along with your new ad campaign for the chicken sandwich. And this is what it's going to look like. And like, imagine that as a screenshot in 2005 on the desk of like a marketing executive. They really have no idea what it is. Uh, like we didn't, 
we didn't lie about anything, you know? Um, and then we just, we pushed it live uh, without a lot of fanfare, you know, uh, internally. And then at the same time that everyone at Burger King realized how, like, unusual and chaotic it was, um, we also had, we had, like, we had some popular live journals from written by people at our company. And that was like ground zero. And, uh, and it, we had like massive traffic within 24 hours. Like it just, it actually just took off like crazy. And so when they were like horrified by it, we were like, this is how many people have visited the site so far. And they were like, never mind, leave it up, you know? And it was like on CNN the next day and like kind of, you know, so it was the subser subversive, subservient, subservient yeah, chicken. That's exactly. difficult to say. You know, it was just, it was like one of those situations where just like nobody stops you from doing exactly what you want to do. And you just like, like we had a good idea and we did it well. And the trick, honestly, for it working for people's brains was that we turned the audio off and we, we, we exported the video at three frames per second. So it was like just crappy enough that you were like, I don't, you know. I don't know. You gotta you gotta down res sometimes, you know, to like for for authenticity's sake. Um, but yeah, and then we just that that um, it sort of changed the tone of the field we were working in, and definitely uh, opened a lot of doors for us. And then we were just able to like do a lot of uh, more kind of esoteric creative work or. Um, you know, get get brands to trust us to do things that were a bit more experimental or experiential or out there, you know? Um, I don't know. I think the last, like, 10, 15 years on the internet has been a bit boring, you know? Um, and I took a break. I, like, I sold that agency, and I took a break for a little while. And I, I, it's, I'm glad we're coming out of the, uh, the infinite feed sort of goop era of, of the web, you know? My new uh, company is with my CTO co-founder from Barbarian Group and um, a few other folks. Uh, and like we kind of we got back together in 2019 um, with just like let's let's you know we're both in LA let's start a new thing together um, and let's work on like fun on the internet let's like figure out how to like you know do some new things that are scaled like i think everyone's as frustrated as we are there's not enough experiences uh and we actually started building um we started building some some ai experiences when it was just like gpt3 um i can come back to that later and then we built uh, a video hangout experience that is now called teleport um that is very fun that we're rolling out this fall. That's like my favorite thing we've ever made. And it's like kind of a video, a mashup of like old GeoCities, MySpace era creativity, but with like video technology and actual teleportation on the internet. It's like so fun. And I will, I will take you for a ride sometime. Um, and we actually, we actually built a whole prototype of that, uh, in 2020 and then paused and realized that the big opportunity is to not do what like I would say Tumblr did in the sense that like 
you make something that's super fun, you have no business model at all, and it just like slides away from you or you like have to sell it to somebody else or like it changes the user behavior and like that just keeps happening on the web, you know, and that like now is the chance uh, to use this all this new blockchain technology, you know, we have programmable internet money, we have like granular rights management, we have like, you know, uh, ownership and, uh, you know, tracking information in the user's hands. Um, so we've spent the last couple of years building this huge Web3 tech stack that was initially designed to power our cool video experience, but is now a thing unto itself that uh, that can power other creative experiences. So we're, we've got this dual business where we're like, we have like enabling technology for people to build creative experiences that have like good economics. Um, and then we have this like psychedelic place to be on the web. So it's the, the, the platform and the prototype of the prototype that uses the platform. Tell yeah, us, tell totally. Us about, tell us about both. You know, what, what is the platform capable of? And then what are you doing with the experience and, and how do people check it out? So what, one way of thinking about it, and particularly with my history in, in marketing is like the atomic unit of, of interest in web two is like the cookie, you know, and it's a secret tracking cookie that somebody else sticks in your browser and like, they get more out of it than you do, you know? Um, and so what we're thinking about in web three is like, how do we flip that around? How do we like, first off, brands have to, you know, like there's European data regulations. Like you can't just do that without a pop-up anymore. And like, you know, Google's working on their own thing to solve that. Um, but they're doing it in the Google way. Um, and, uh, and we've been thinking about how can we migrate people's taste and preferences to a blockchain powered experience, but that is like in the user's hands. Um, so we're, we're, we call our wallet an organizer because you're organizing your experiences, maybe your assets, maybe your friends or, you know, other things. Um, we have a migra a migratory thing from cookies to web three that we're, that we're developing right now. That's going to be really fun. Um, but mostly what we're working on is like, uh, a way for users to like kind of collect their preferences and plug that into other ecosystems. Um, and that's like kind of the identity system. We have a bunch of features. We have a geolocation protocol that tracks assets in terrestrial space, in orbit, and online. And you can know where things are or where people are or geofence uh, token drops um, or find your friends or you know give out tokens if you're at a retail location or at an event or something like that. Um, we have a streaming rights an authorization and tracking tool that will authorize a listener to stream a song, write that to the chain and pay the creators. We have a splits tool. Um, we have like an AI knowledge engine that sits on top of an LLM and has like tokenized knowledge. So we know who's put information in and we can uprank or downrank or yank bad actors out. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I want to, I want to, if, if you can, if you can get me to understand it, then maybe we can get the, the listeners yeah. to understand it as well. 
because I mean, I think also when people are thinking about, you know, use cases and the, you know, kind of incessant, like, I just don't understand the use case for, you know, for, for crypto, you know, to me, this is, if people can get their heads around this, this yeah. is pretty big, pretty big for them. Right. Because it's big. You're effectively yeah. saying, you're effectively saying when you said about cookies is that, you know, right now, I mean, you are kind of taking that, um, you know, we always say web 1.0 was, you know, username, password 2.0 was who owns you? Is it Google? Is it Facebook? Is mm -hmm. it Twitter? Is it Apple? You log in with AKA who owns you? And, you know, ultimately, you know, the user will be, you know, back in the driver's seat. So what you're saying is let me do that in a, in a practical way mm -hmm. um, by giving users their preferences. I'm going to let yep. you, the user own your preferences, a big aha moment that I think I'm waiting to see exactly how people have it, but I had it um, because I was using XMTP for chatting. So I was using the Converse mm -hmm. app and then I went to test it in Coinbase wallet and just boom, all my conversations from this other app instantly yep. appeared That's in it. this other app. And, yep. you know, we've been used to, you know, walled gardens for so long that it felt like a magic trick or, you know, or mm -hmm. a revelation. So in a way, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you're, you're sort of, you're trying to, to do a scalable version of that, which is I, the user own my preferences. My preferences could be all kinds of things. It could be my shipping addresses and those sort of things, et cetera. Um, and then you're making those portable for me across sites. Do I have that? Yep. Do I have that right? Yep. That's totally correct. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that, that, Web two platforms have taken off uh, for brands and, and large customers um, is because they offer scale. You know, like that's where all the people are. They're hanging out. There's a big addressable market. So, like for all of our Web three stuff to work, we have to offer scale and like lateral audiences. Um, but how do we do that in a polite sort of way? You know, um, and so I think that that's it. The interoperability of the blockchain means all my viewing habits from like some, some streaming services. I, those are mine. I watch those. I click the like button or dislike button. I should be able to ingest that into my own, you know, preference organizer and then plug that into either another streaming service or something totally different where like those tastes like might, you know, make my experience better or more effective or, you know, make my shopping experience better or make my like, you know, recommended concerts better or what, you know, what, whatever. Um, and so like, that's the, that's the, the magic of a decentralized public ledger of, of information. And that's why you would, why you would want to keep it there, you know? And so what is it you guys are building with this? Well, we, so, so the thing that we're building with this for ourselves is an experience called teleport that is installable on uh, user websites. So you would put it at like, you know, teleport.ledger.com. And I would be able to like, go to your website with some friends. It's like a shared web browsing experience um, with like, embeddable experiences like multiplayer kind of things we synchronize playback of content um and you can take your video experience and teleport to another place with your gang so the three of us on this video here we could be on top of your website 
And we could be like, let's, oh, the game's starting. Let's teleport over there. Or like, you know, let's go shopping. Or, oh my God, there's some news happening. Let's go read the news together. And we're a unit, but we're moving around the internet together. So it's like a kind of a teamwork, um, teamwork interneting. And um, we do this in we do this in real time, or we do oh, this yeah. sort of in a no, no, no. not not real time, not necessarily in a you know a, a chat it's like a, it's, group. It's a hangout chat. session. It's like you know my little brother hangs out on on Discord and watches movies yeah, with his yeah, friends. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, they it's could like, hop to a, like, they could hop to another channel. Exactly, but we're do, we're doing that for the web, and so it is not launched yet, but it is like we have a prototype of this of the experience we've built the web3 platform and at this exact moment in time we are integrating those things together so um i can take you guys for a spin probably two months we're gonna have squished it all together um and be roll and you know we're starting to roll it out with a few uh early customers when did you start working on this and the reason i ask the question is because what i'm noticing right now is that some of the more ambitious projects that started, you know, in kind of in 2021 are starting to come to market now. Things like a yeah. video game, which take a long time yeah, to come yeah, to yeah. market. Are, this is do like I a, this include is, your project in one of these? In, yeah, 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 for sure. This is like a video game universe level of effort for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, we built the we built the 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 user experience of teleport in 2020 and then we spent 2 years building the underlying web3 ownership economics rights management streaming all just all, that whole group and it's all and the cool thing about it, like we initially were just going to make it for ourselves and then and then as as you both know I'm sure um like web3 tech compared to web2 is extremely front loaded like once you've made it like it's you did, you did it, you know, it's on chain, you know what I mean? Unless you want to blow up the contract and write another one, you know? So we realized we've built this superpower platform that we shouldn't just keep to ourselves. And so we did a little extra work and it's all like mix it. It's like a modular API platform, you know? So like you could use it to build your own business or power, like all kinds of different experiences. Um, but it's 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 definitely tuned for us to make this this teleport experience. Um, and that was that was my second question was, you know, you've how much of what you're doing, like in no, in nothing you've told me about what you're doing now does it sound like an agency, even when you're talking about the fact that other people can use it. It almost it sounds more like a you know a software licensing model. So it is, is more there an like agency that. component to what you're doing? You mentioned for clients. So to yeah, fit that we, piece together for me. Yeah. I think we will be helping people on board with the strong hand when they want us to. But the idea is for this to be like accessible to everyone. If you know what's up and you want to just like get a software license and play like that's the, that's the scalable, that's the scale, you know, as they say, but, um, but like, we're very creative people. We like to play with other people. Um, and so we are, I think we'll always be collaborating on special builds, you know? And um, who, who's the perfect client for this? I would love to have a very diverse array of, of brands and media companies and artists and solo artists. And th like the, the ideal client is that uh, the idea, like, 
a lot of different stuff. Like it's about movement, you know, like the idea is that you're, there's a, a rich world that you can move around in, you know? And so like, it's not actually, there's not like one thing that would be perfect. The perfect thing would be that it was like, uh, a healthy menu of different things. You know what I mean? Um, and so like, I think we've found something that splits the difference between an owned destination, like, you know, going to facebook.com and uh, going to somebody's website that they made where like you have to focus lots of marketing energy to like drive traffic to that, you know? And like we are, I, 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 I believe that I'm taking all of my skills and experience in working in marketing in a way that um, previously I had to, it was all hands-on projects. Like we had to have a customer who hired us and we built by the hour and we would just, we would just work on one thing at a time in a very linear fashion or, you know, parallel if you grow, but it, but you don't actually get any better as you grow in, in creative services. I don't think like, you know, like usually your teams get to like, maybe at a certain scale, then you just have like, you know, like, different states in, in your nation, you know what I mean? But, um, but like, I don't feel like Barbarian Group got like way better creatively when we were like 150 people versus when we were, when we were 50, like it was diff it was a struggle, you know? And so I think what we're doing is solving current marketing problems and creative problems and experiential problems, but like, without having to do everything in real time for customers, you know, like that's, that's like the goal. Cause like all the ad tech of, of the web two era was made by people that had no business in the creative world. You know, they're just like people that worked it. Like I built tons of cool websites, but I didn't think about advertising media or where the money was flowing or how the ads were tracked or anything like that at all until like, a few years ago, you know what I mean? Like nobody in my, nobody in my position did that, you know, and all the old school media people were ignoring the internet until it was too late, you know? And so Silicon Valley stepped in and they control all the data. They control all the user identity. They control all the flow of media. They control the 98% of the money on the internet, but they're not creative. They don't really care about, they don't care about the audience from an experiential point of view or an emotional point of view, really like they don't care about the brand other than the check, you know, and, and they don't care about the, the creative process. Really. It's just, they're just filling a hole in the market and they're very data oriented and like totally fine. That's business, you know, but like, but I think that's, that's the big opportunity right now in this particular field is that, um, is that, the economics are changing and the data is changing and how we handle the economics and data and attribution and, and that you can, you can see where the money's going on the blockchain. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can see where the data is going on the blockchain. So like, what do you do with that? If you know a lot about marketing and brands and like how that works and you really care about like fun, you know, for the audience. So like, that's, that's the, that's the stew that we're, that we're cooking, you know, is to try to like, like build a system and a universe and technology that like, that like hits those marks 
for everyone that we were doing on a case by case basis with Barbarian Group, but like with with scalable technology and experiences. And so like I don't I don't ever want to be like making software with the door shut and like not, you know, doing collaborations with customers. Like I I I'd see as we scale, we'll always do some like cool experiences, but I I do want people to be able to like you know, in collaboration, but I do want people to be able to just grab the tools and just run with it and like figure it out themselves. Like, I think that's what the web's all about, really. Like, that's how I learned to do everything, you know, is just like, let's just, you know, take it apart and put it back together. And what if you plug this thing into that thing? And, you know, like, let's try it. So like, I think that's, we need more of that, you know, and like, we, we've exhausted what to do with NFTs, you know what I mean? But like, there's, there's like 10,000 other things after that, that we haven't really tried yet. You know, I guess I also like, I, when you've been talking about this, I've been thinking a lot about kind of like, and you, you just spoke to it a little bit, but the kind of like current attention economy, right. Which is what we've, we've turned into on our like infinite scrolling and you know, which app can hold your attention for the longest to generate the most ad dollars and then I, I do think it's just super interesting to think about kind of like what the future attention economy looks like. And I love some of the things that you've hit on about, you know, like kind of owning your own data and your own preferences. And so I wonder if you could paint like a little bit of a picture of kind of how you see Web3 evolving this attention economy. Like what does that end up looking like? Yeah, because, I have yeah. a fun thought experiment, actually. One feature I forgot to mention, we have a messenger. Um, that is a token gated messenger. And the idea is that like you have a group chat and anyone with the same token, that's your key to get into the chat, you know? And so that's like kind of built into everything. Um, but, um, you know, and that can be, you've collected something, you're a customer, you're a fan. We've all exchanged a token of being on this podcast. So we're in the chat, you know, um, and maybe that's total spam prevention. If you don't have the token, nobody can get in, you know, but, but thinking about the attention economy, like what if you just charge for spam? What if you have like the top creative directors in the world or the top marketing people or the top radio people and you have like a radio broadcaster token, you know? And so there's like a thousand people with that and they're all like have huge audiences and super well-known and fabulous radio voices. Mm. Um, and like you can spam that group, but it costs a thousand dollars and it goes to charity, you know what I mean? Or it goes to you guys or whatever, you know? And you're like, what if you just sold your attention, you know? And like guaranteed, if you pay the ticket, it goes to the top of the feed and everyone looks at it, you know what I mean? And like, but like, but I, I, I see a potential future where, groups of people can band to, you know, and, and, and in web two, we see that with like, uh, group shopping, you know, like you can, you can do a group buy, you know, lots of like hobbyist communities do that with like technology. Like, you know, if a thousand people get together, we'll produce this thing and everybody's, you know, our Kickstarter works like that, you know? Um, and like, what if you could do that with attention? You know, like FWB's a DAO, like is FWB selling their attention? Probably not quite directly yet, but I, I, I see that being a thing that you could do in the future where you're like 
here is a here's the market rate <laughs> for this community's attention right now you know and like there's lateral communication amongst everyone this is how frequently we respond to you know miss like how how often we convert to a message i don't know who knows I, like, but like but like i i i I think we can take some phrases like attention economy and literally create an attention economy, yep. <laughs> you know, like, like we have the technology now. So like, what does that world look like? I don't know, but like, yep. I'm interested, you know, if you think about it, that's a little bit what brave has tried to do with the, you know, with the, the basic attention token. Yes, totally. Uh, and, and I remember back when I was at Yahoo, they had a project called white hat and Z, I think it was Bradley Horowitz who was leading it. Could be wrong about that, but I believe so. That um, and they were. It was all about basically you as the user, sort of, you know, getting the ads you want in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like a you know it's it, I I agree, and because we're all kind of victims of the of the other way of doing it today, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is a a value and an economy around our attention. We are cohorts, and we and totally. we don't really get to opt into it. So I mean, I, I, just pointing out that like it's a. I'm, it's an idea I'm still like waiting for the way that it clicks, right? Totally. I mean, I actually saw um, a proposal for, for uh, something recently and, and, to, and it's like, okay, super interesting idea, but I, I don't know how to get that flywheel spinning and I'm, I'm waiting for someone to figure it out. I think we have to do some, some, some wacky demos of that experience. You know what I mean? Like, I think we have to go like, like somewhere conceptual and a bit gonzo and then land in the middle is like the, the standard, you know, um, it needs yeah. its uh, subservient chicken moment. Yeah. So I guess the only, uh, I had one other question about, um, some of the stuff you guys have been doing. Um, and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the, uh, song that owns itself before we, we wrap. Up oh yeah, for sure. Project. Yeah. So that was a project we did a couple of years ago that was like, um, about media autonomy. Um, and what, what if, what if you, um, what if you could attach the ability to transact to the media itself um, and like, so we have a smart contract infrastructure that can attach to a song. And so then the song can sell itself. The song can go on to, uh, you know, different streaming platforms and you pay the song and then the song knows who created it and who it owes money to and what proportions. And it sort of pays out to that, you know? And so we had, we had made that as like a sort of conceptual and technological proof and uh, the beginnings of a marketplace for that. Um, and we, we stopped that we, we, we paused on that path because we realized we didn't want to make a song marketplace that that's like a very, you know, that's not the area that we want to live in, you know? Um, but that thinking has influenced our entire ownership structure, um, in a larger sense. Uh, we had a super good time doing that. And actually I think that was the, that was the first podcast that I did in the web three space was talking about that on a, on an FWV discord actually. Yeah, so I was I'm I'm curious because you know the we're we're in a we're in a, a place where we've kind of gone through a big hype cycle. We all have a lot of excitement about the promise of this technology. Um, the the you know the I think we're you know the question is how do we get you know more mass adoption? Um, you know I I personally believe 
you know, sincerely and deeply in a world where customers own their own identity, their own preferences, their own, um, you know, their own data, et cetera. But, you know, you know, if, if everyone needs to, you know, log into every website with MetaMask, then we're, we're not going to, you know, get there, get there quickly. It's not something my mom is, is ready to do yet. So I'm curious, you know, where you see things going and with teleport, where you're placing your bet. I think we need to do this without selling the end user on crypto or what's happening under the hood. I think we just need to do it, you know? Um, and like, we're not using any forward facing language that requires you to be a crypto native person. Um, we're our, our wallet organizer, uh, thing is embeddable in existing experience flows like user experience flows. Um, so you don't have to pair an external wallet. Uh, if you're on like Nike.com, like it's just another button in the, the user creation profile. So, um, you know, we use a fast chain, so it doesn't, it takes a couple seconds to do a real L1 transaction instead of, uh, you know, minutes and some arcane numbers to like be on Ethereum, you know, and like if Ethereum was faster, that would be great, you know, and like, but like just hot, like nobody cares what technology Visa uses to transact with the bank. They just know that Visa's like nerds have figured it out. It works, you know, and you just have to trust that, you know? So I think one side of it is just, is like, hiding the technology that is uninteresting to the end consumer and and don't be confusing you know um and i also don't think that that pure economics or privacy or rights management uh sort of is enough of a selling point at all for like we've already got the 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 maximum audience possible to try new experiences just based on those factors. I don't think like that's we've tapped out and we've we've bounced off the ceiling for that already. You know, so I don't think like just knowing what's going on conceptually under the hood with like ownership or rights management or privacy is like is going to sell it. I think that's why we're that's why we're leading with with this teleport experience as much as we're we're building these 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 tools is because like i think that the transformation needs to happen with this underlying technology and a different philosophy on technology and privacy and rights management and ownership and payments and like all the things that make this magical that needs to be the, the tip of the spear needs to be cool new experiences that you haven't had in web two or web three. And that I don't really think web three is, I think it's an indirect motivator for those new experiences. Like none of the things that we're doing with teleport, like strictly require web three, but it will work and scale because there's economic motivators for people to do a good job with the technology, with the experience, you know, like the reason that NFTs exploded was because there was finally a reward. If you made some art that people liked on the internet, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't that like publishing to the blockchain made the art any better necessarily, you know, but that like 
there was like a carrot at the end, you know? And so I think we just need like bigger and more diverse, you know, carrots, you know? And I think that that's, I think that's what, that's, that's the transformation that, uh, that needs to happen next in the web three space is like, okay, what are the kinds of experiences big and small that you will put like a hundred thousand or 2 million man hours into, you know, into building with your team, you know, and, um, and, and there's a reward at the end because there's a good economic infrastructure, you know? And like, I think that's the, I think it's like the last decade of the web has been boring because there hasn't been, you know, you're, you're hanging out in rented space, you know, it's not yours. Yeah. We've, we've, we've slowly discovered that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I think it's super exciting. I'm glad you guys are building it. Um, and I want to see it. So, you know, let's come back and do this again. And yeah, I'd love in to. a couple of months when you can, when you can show us teleport. Yeah. Maybe we can do this. We could probably figure out how to do the podcast on that and we'll take a ride together. I would love to do that. That'll be super fun. That would that would be amazing. It sounds like the great space coaster. To me, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. It's really good. I, I, excited. You're gonna love it. it, actually. The um, we 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 have three questions that we always finish okay. with. Um, we started the series with a you know the theme of creative custody, and then we realized that that meant something different to all of us who were talking about this series, and then we wanted to start uh, the final series of questions by asking our guests, "What does creative custody mean to you?" I mean, my head is is actually going towards people having creative ways of putting you in custody on the internet. Is that wrong? I like it. I think that's I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect. Yeah, I think we've been in internet you're un, you're jail. Un, yeah, you're under arrest yeah. By, by yeah. By, if I if I if I could have if I could have thought less about it, about it, I would have said that my answer to the question would be the album "You're Under Arrest" by Miles Davis. Um, that, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, I, you, you had, you had to give me that one. So, so thank you. You know, another question, you know, you've, you've like me, you know, grew up building, building yeah, things on the internet, sure. you know, from when the internet was new. I remember when there were no background colors, that's how old I am. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we've watched it evolve, you know, and I think that, that many of our peers are, you know, still building in that, in that ad agency world. Um, or the brand world, et cetera. And, and, and they're interested in, in what we're talking about here, but they're not quite sure, you know, where or if there's a place for them today. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're talking to, you know, people from, from your, from your ba- background, your past and the agency world, um, you know, what do you tell them, you know, to help them kind of come over into, uh, you know, from the internet of information to the internet of value? I think people are pretty excited, honestly. I think that they're just like, that's, that's part of our audience for, for the software side of things is like, we're going to do some demos to like show you how you could take it for a spin. But like, um, we're skating ahead, uh, and building some stuff that we can share with other people so that, um, so that, all of the creatives that are in the advertising world that uh, don't have the opportunity to like take two years and like build a bunch of technology that you can do a lot of different things with can take advantage of it. Honestly, you know, this is a very weird time for me professionally because like since I've been 
like in my early twenties, like working full time on web stuff. Um, and I turned 50 next year. I have, I've been working at a pace where I like launch a new thing, like at least every couple months, sometimes a few things a month, you know what I mean? Like always like making stuff and putting stuff out there. And like, this is the first time in my life I've like been in the shed for, for like years, you know? And so like, I'm actually just coming out into the world like, uh, uh, you know, with with all sorts of things that we've been making and showing it to people. And I was quite nervous for a bit. Like, I was like, am I, you know, it's a big swing and like it's going super well and everybody's very excited. And like, I think I think I've I've been doing some things that all of those folks that you refer to in the, in the, in the ad world are going to be happy to take advantage of, you know? Um, And I think that that's it. Like we got to figure out how we can, how we can be helping each other because that's what the technology is about. Like it's decentralized, you know, it it is decentralized. Like how do, how do we, how do we make these things that connect to what other people are doing in meaningful ways? And like, that's what the web is like super cool for, you know? And like, I don't know, I'm excited. Yeah. And then, you know, as a, as a builder in this space, um, you know, we're thinking a lot about kind of like what the future of is, of the world is going to look like because of tools like web three and AI and all these things. And so one of the final, or I guess the final question is, is, you know, what is something that is really difficult to imagine today, but you think will be a part of everyday life, say 20 years from now. That we won't look at uh, screens while we're walking around in the street. I think phones are going to be invisible and show up when you want them to and be like kind of everywhere and nowhere and the idea that there is like a singular device that you need to cradle around like a baby little egg, you know, that like contains all of your personal information. And like, that's the only one. And that's the only way you could do that. I think that's like completely insane and like not necessary at all. And like probably only exists at the moment because of uh, cell phone carrier regulations. Are these are these uh, are these contact lenses or are these just all of the devices? I around think it's just become things that we're constantly. I think it's with? your your product, your ledger, things like that. Like that's just lets you log into whatever has the tech, and that's just you just grab it. You know what I mean? Like there's just there's there's a million smart screens out here already, and smart speakers and headphones and like all this stuff. And like if you just have like a unit of identity that just you just have it turn on whatever level of multimedia you need for whatever context. And then it just has your stuff, you know, and I think it's just a, an authentic. So I use, I use my, my ledger. It contains my identity and therefore my preferences. So I could jump into whatever computer and have my secure protected area. Yeah, Yeah. And then you just like, that was the cool, that was the idea with, with the Chromebook, right? You were like, Oh wow, cool. Chrome OS. You're like, any computer can be my computer as soon as I log into it and you're just like in there, you know, like, I think that's, I think the multi-device future of that is, is, I think that's very real. You know, I think that, I think that that's, that will free up society, you know, uh, to like kind of lift their head and like be in the room a little bit more, you know, and like 
probably get deeper and do better work when you want to focus on work and not be kind of ambiently buzzing around all this stuff. And, you know, and so like, like I'm trying to make more maximalist internet where you're like even more engaged, you know, like the endless scrolling is like real bad, you know, like you're not really there. You're not really not there. Like, I think you should be like really involved or be like, well, I did it. And I'm, you know, like, like it's just this, we're in this, in between sort of addict stage with technology that's like no good at all. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I agree with the, the notion that we're at this in-between stage and that the Chromebook analogy is a really good one, right? Because you, in my view, because it is that sort of midpoint. Again, if it's, if Web 1.0 was username login and Web 2.0 was login with Google, login with Facebook and Web 3.0 is taking that same notion of that Chromebook and just saying, hey, I'm me. I can, I can prove to you um, that I am... Not only me, but I am a member of these groups, and these groups might be, you know, um, a U.S. citizen, a uh, French resident, a an FWB member and holder, um, etc. I can instantly sort of prove to you that I am all of those things. Well, now I, can, I my computing environment is, you know, somewhat set the same way totally. when you you know you get in a nice car and you push button one or button two and it adjusts your seat for you. Well, you know, the world the world looks well, and also like. That. like if you choose to authorize with those that specific combination of four tokenized preferences, that should shrink the available group of people who can get in touch with you to like just the people that matter in that specific context, you know? And like I think I think I think when we when we start tokenizing preferences and the same unit of preference is also an authorization key and a transaction key and a filter. So we did this thing at Barbarian Group years ago, and this was, there, was a, there was a golden period of Facebook's uh, friend graph API where you could use it externally. And CNN was one of our clients, and Obama was running for re-election, and we did this thing where you could watch the debates, Obama's debates, um, on Facebook, streaming CNN into Facebook and there were there was a live chat and there was two tabs in the live chat and one tab was just everyone that was watching on Facebook like just total free for all and then the other tab was friends only and suddenly you were filtering out everyone on the internet that you hadn't already friended on Facebook and it was really fucking cool like it was just you were just like oh cool like i'm at a large house party on the internet you know and it was amazing and that was possible because for for that summer facebook was like oh maybe we should just be like the friend api for the internet and anyone that's a developer can use this to like filter out your non friends that's how i was looking at it and that was the power to me was that you could filter out people that were not your friends you know um and uh and yeah, I don't know. I think, that's I think that's stuck with a, me a lot, actually. Yeah, to, I, I I clearly and I and I love it. I, and and like thank you for building what you're building because of it. Because I, I think we we've already had um, uh, you know there are so many analogies to what you're um, what you're building in the ways that you describe things like Facebook friend group and the cookie kind of does that for you already, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you drop into Instagram. I don't see the same feed as you. I see I'm the mm -hmm. only person who sees the feed that I see because, you know, my preferences are there. 
um, you know, we all, we you know, the, the, there, to me, there's these two different timelines of the internet. One is about content and one is about communication. And what's interesting to me on the communication one is really that, that, you know, we're, we're quite, um, disloyal, you know, we've, we've moved from, and people forget, but it happens, you know, pretty predictably that we move from, you know, ICQ to AOL instant message to Yahoo messenger to MSN messenger. And, and ultimately, you know, I, I, I watch, you know, my daughters, Zoe and, and others, you know, go from, you know, from being on Be Real for five minutes to not to, you know, communicating on on um, Snapchat to not to, you know, we're, we're quite disloyal on on these networks. I would argue it's for the reason that you just stated, because we're, we're searching for a better filter. Mm -hmm. Like ultimately the, the pool fills up and you're looking for that like kind of tighter subset. Yep. And in, in many ways, you know. Uh, I think that's why, you know, WhatsApp has replaced email for so many people, especially in Europe, because you've got, you know, I've got those, I've already got the kind of communities that are, that are like, that I can plug into. So I, I love that what you're saying, because to me, it's like all this stuff that's sort of like, we know there's a, there's a consumer need for it, but the tools to build it are centralized. And the key question is simply what happens if they're decentralized and the keys to those are owned by the user. Yeah. That's it. That, that's that the whole shift. Exactly. The behavior. Totally. Behavior is actually not new. Yep. Um, so I love that. Thank you for sharing it. And do come yeah, back when we can teleport yes, together. Yes. Hundred percent. And 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 uh, and take that ride. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, wow. Thank Thanks, you man. so thank much. You. Thanks, Steve. This has been fun. This content is provided for informational purposes only, and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.